fascinating words. There's so much there. But let's just start with this. I'm hungry. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever heard something quite like that. I'm hungry. Yeah? Look at all the parents raise their hands and grandparents. That's right. How many times have you heard that, right? I'm hungry. When are we going to eat? How much longer, right? This desire, right? This desire for the source to just feed and fill our bellies. I'm hungry. But have you ever heard this? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. A little bit different, isn't it? Kind of, I'm desiring to, to have some fill, right? I'm hungry. Like, let's go. Where, where should we go eat, right? How about this? Oh, I'm full. What does that communicate? You tell me. I'm, oh, I'm full. You, you, maybe you ate too much. What else? Yeah, I'm satisfied. Oh, oh, kind of like he walked in this morning, right? He maybe smelled some, some bread baking, right? There's, there's something about the baking of bread that just kind of brings us what? Brings us back fresh baked bread is powerful, is it not? What, is, what does fresh baked bread do to you? Tell me. Makes you what? Makes you hungry. Yeah, it, it creates a craving. Yeah, what else? Ooh, it's like home for some people, yeah. Kind of a place of security, right? What else? You guys are laughing. Come on, you got to share with the, the masses. Got to get out the butter. Got to get out the butter. Yeah, that's right. No margarine around this joint, right? Got to get some butter. What else? It's healthy. Good. For some of you who are, you know, not carbo-loading, right? You're running the other way. You're like, ah, carbs. Okay, what else? You, oh, that's so good, Connie. You always want more, right? There's kind of this desire and this craving. Oh, that's good. What else? This is great. Yeah, go ahead, Caleb. You want more and more, right? This craving of just more and more yumminess. That's good. What else? You guys are rolling. It's good for your body, right? It's nutritious. Very good. That's very true. So the craving, satisfaction, I want more. It's, it's healthy, fresh-baked bread. You know, is one of the most scientifically, as they've studied aromatherapy and all these things, is the most powerful smell. You know what the second one is? Not popcorn. It's a good guess, though. You got it. Boom. Chocolate chip cookies. Fresh-baked chocolate. Is he all nodding? Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. This is why uh, just in a few weeks, uh, uh, some of our guys are going into uh, uh, the prisons to do prison ministry, Kairos ministry. And you know what they do? They bake hundreds and hundreds of cookies. Not just to fill them because of the cravings, but it takes you what? Back to your, takes you back to your childhood, right? Takes you back to when life was 
predictable and secure maybe, right? Yeah, the power of bread. And so Jesus says, I am. Hungry? No. Jesus says, I am full. No, he didn't say that, did he? That's what we say, right? He said what? I am what? The bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And so today as we, we kind of look at this, uh, I want to talk about three, three words. You can write these down. A source, a sustenance, or you could use the word sufficiency, either one, uh, and satisfaction. Source, sufficiency, satisfaction. And so uh, you have your Bibles out. I think this is a super helpful. If you look just at the beginning of chapter 6, you didn't hear it read uh, today. This is where Jesus shares this incredible reality. And John writes down what they saw and experienced, right? A little kid has got a little uh, lunch pail, five loaves, two fish. God multiplies it and feeds 5,000 men plus the women plus the children, who knows what that number is. Let's just call it 15,000 people, whatever it is. It's absolutely remarkable. If it was 50 people, it would be remarkable, yeah? And then he picks up, the disciples pick up 12 baskets full, right? There's this overflow, there's this abundance. I am the bread of life. If you were here on Wednesday, during Ash Wednesday service, we actually walked through a text uh, just a few chapters before, John chapter 4, and there's a woman who comes to the well, and Jesus uh, says this powerful thing. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, referring to the water in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is the source. He is the source. He's the beginning. He's the creator. He's the gift creator, right? He's the, the giver, the source of what? Of life. The source of this water, the source of John chapter 6, this bread that multiplies. And then this is fascinating. If you let your eyes uh, go down John chapter 6 and go to verse, uh, let's go to verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world, perceiving him that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went to the sea, got into the boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and the sea had not yet come to him. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they rowed about three or four miles, When's the last time you rode three to four miles? Right? Exactly. They saw Jesus. Seriously, when's the last time you rode three to four miles? At our little workout place, they got that rowing machine. You know what I'm talking about? At the exercise place, you can do the rowing. I'm telling you, 5,000 meters will exhaust the daylights out of you. That's not even close. Right? Not even close. Oh, man. It's so exhausting. That's just one person on a little mechanical thing. Imagine being in, a, in the water and actually in a storm. 
Verse 19, when they rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened, but he said to them, I am, do not be afraid. Is that what you see? What does it say? Yeah, it means I am. It's the exact same word, just flipped around. Ego I me means I am, or it is. I am the one. The same thing that God the Father had revealed when Moses was told to go to Pharaoh. If Pharaoh asked me, who's asking my people to be released from slavery and the bonds of Egypt, just tell them, I am. I am who I am sent me. I am who I am. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And when you start to think about this, this concept of Jesus saying he is the I am, right? It, it, it conjures up, it brings all of this history of the Old Testament, of, of God being the source of life, the giver of life. So you think about this phrase, I am, right? First person, first person singular, of the form of the verb, I know it's early in the morning, but it's form of the verb what? To be, right? I am. Now we're typically used to hearing like, I'm gonna watch the children, or I am walking on the road, or I'm his father, right? But when God uses this statement like in isolation, I am, is it not the ultimate declaration of self-sufficiency? Who are you? I am. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, right? The words, it's an idiom, right? The words themselves don't explain what it means, but it ultimately is self-sufficiency, right? I don't need to rely on anybody else. I have created, I've made, and I'm actually totally okay. My existence isn't contingent on anything else. God's existence is not contingent on anything else. Hmm. He's constant. He's eternally constant. Hence, when Jesus declares, I am the bread of life, the people who were listening went nuts. Yeah? But who were the people? Who were the people he was talking to when he said this? Let's go back to John chapter 6. Verse 20, they're still on the water, the disciples, after the evening of the feeding of the 5,000. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, that is, the 5,000, on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with the disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum, seeking who? Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? 
Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that what? You read it. Endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will what? Give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So what's the work? Just to believe. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? (laughs) It reminds me of kid, I'm hungry. And you put a nice juicy hamburger with a happy meal right in front of them. And then they say, I need, I'm hungry, I need food. Like, duh, look what's in front of you. Don't you remember last night when you heard teaching for like hours and hours and this little boy's lunch fed you to the full? There's so much so, there's 12 baskets. Uh, We need another sign. It seems absurd, doesn't it? But then there's us, yeah? And in the midst of our desire, spiritual desires, in the midst of struggle and suffering, we cry out, God, I need to know where you are. God, where are you? And a valid question. I get it. I've uttered those words myself countless times. And it's kind of like that image that we had on Wednesday just, just look where I am. My gift to you is eternal life. Look to my son, Jesus, who's come, the one who's going to say, I am the bread of life. In the midst of the chaos, just worship him instead of focusing in on us and our circumstances. He gives us a fill and fills even our spiritual dryness. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work that God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Then what sign do you do? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, right? Reflecting back what Patty just read about the manna. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven but who? My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, right? This, all of this is going back to this one word. He's the source. He's the gift, and he's the gift giver. You've heard that phrase before, right? He's the gift himself, and he's the gift giver. He's the one who provides it, and he's the one who is it. Hence, I am who I am. Verse 33, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Mm. Doesn't this go to our second word? If he's the source, he's also what? He's the sufficiency. Or he's the satisfaction. What does it, you guys tell me, what does it mean, uh, just let's just talk about bread. Okay, physical, literal bread. What does sufficiency of bread mean? Or where can you think of examples of where 
bread is used as a sufficiency or a satisfaction. Not a craving, but a satisfaction or a sufficiency may be a more powerful word. How many of your uh, parents grew up in the Great Depression? Okay. What's uh, the story and the image that's ingrained in so many of our minds because we studied it in history? Bread lines, yeah? Isn't that that's what they're called, right? Bread lines. Sufficiency? Yeah? When a hurricane's going to come in town, what is empty on the grocery store shelves? Milk, bread, and eggs, typically, right? Water, okay? Because those are what? They're sufficiency. When life goes to chaos, people move to what? Sufficiency. Hmm. God is what? He's not only the source, the gift, and the gift giver, but he's the one who is what? Sufficient, right? Just as bread is sufficient for us in a physical reality. And so Jesus obviously is making this spiritual move that when, when we're seeking after so many things, he's saying, I am utterly sufficient. Now, some of you grew up in an age where this crazy new technology came. It was wild. I mean, before, the only way you were really entertained from the outside was to listen with your ears, but this crazy thing called a tube, like big tube, shining from the back, this, this invention called the television was going to just break in disaster and make our little children's minds go to mush. Yeah? You remember that? And you would actually, if you left the house, you would come home and you had told the kids, don't you dare turn on that TV while, you know, we're gone. And so you might have the older one uh, at home babysitting, right? And you'd come home and what would you do to make sure they listened to you? You put your hand on the side of it because it, it emanated heat. Some of you did this. Yes, you did. Look at it. There you go. You did. You'd come home and the kids would be like, how did you know we watch TV? Oh, just because I know I always got eyes in the back of my head, right? Yeah, all you do is touch that tube and you knew if that thing was on or not, right? Mm. We go to fill ourselves with all sorts of things. Now this crazy thing called this iPhone, some of you are looking at it with your, for your Bible. I mean, this thing's going to just disasterize our children. What in the world's going to happen? Okay? I don't disagree that the two, I don't disagree that the two inventions are different and they have different implications. But instead of freaking out, we can adapt. Yeah? We're incredible creatures of God. We can adapt. So I'm not going to freak out that they're going to become mush, but I am going to be wise because it is. We're kind of moving from sufficiency to what? Satisfaction now. There is this craving, right? There's this appetite. There's this desire to what? Sit down and watch the TV forever and ever. And then cable came out and it just became even worse, right? And then there's this phone thing that came out and now everything, the whole world's there, right? Except human face-to-face -face interaction. Wait, that's pretty important. Yeah, it is, right? But is our craving, what is Jesus saying about cravings? That you would crave what? You'd crave me. So not only is Jesus saying, I am the source, the giver and the gift. 
Not only do I fully satisfy or I'm complete sufficiency for you, all the way to the point of not life just now, but what does he say? You tell me. Eternal life, yeah. All the way through all of life, all the way into eternity, I am the bread of life. And he says, I desire that you would crave me as you crave your favorite food. Yeah? That you would crave me more than a steak and potatoes, Ted Benson. Yeah. More than steak and asparagus. How about steak, lobster, shrimp, and asparagus, right? Ooh, that's a good dinner. Yeah. I want you to crave me. And what is it? What do you do? You guys tell me. What do you do when you crave something? When you have an appetite for something? You go, one, you just go get it. Okay, what else? You beg your parents for it, is that what he said? Okay, what else? Ooh, little Pavla. Yeah, so she was saying if she snaps her fingers, her dogs immediately come, right, and they crave whatever it is, right, that's being given away, right? What else? You go do it. It's, it's almost like muscle memory in that sense, right? Sometimes you don't even have to think about it. You just, yeah. So the question is obvious this morning, right? Jesus, do I see you as the source of my life now? Jesus, in what way do I allow or not allow you to be sufficient for me? And to the third point, I am the bread of life, he says. And here's the issue before I say the, well, here's the third one and then we'll talk about it, is do I truly have an appetite to consume you? Whether that would be worship or his word and his scriptures and devotions, right? So during Lent's a great time to not, uh, a great time to pick something up. So, hey, for the kids, there's devotionals in the back at Home Point where there's fresh baked bread. And then there's this for the adults. Um, how can I crave and fulfill that appetite more and more. Maybe it's music for you. Maybe it's relationship in Christ. If you go back to the text, you guys still have your Bibles out? It's interesting, not everybody liked, not everyone had the same appetite. And this is a warning. If you let your eyes go down to say... 41. Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He ends up saying, I am bread seven times. Symbolic number. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he, he now say, I have come down from heaven? Don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Again, the gift and the giver. 
And I will raise him up on the last day, the promise of resurrection. Resurrection. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard me and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that they may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're confused. Right? They're confused and wondering, how can this actually be? Let your eyes jump down to verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do not take offense at this. I'm sorry, do you take offense at this? I don't think, uh, isn't Dale Carnegie way back in the day wrote a book called like How to Make Good Friends and Influence People? Yeah, Jesus didn't read that book, okay? Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life and the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and what? Life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one came to me unless it is granted by the Father. After this, listen to this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. People who had been following Jesus and following his teachings heard that he was the source, that he was all-sufficient. But when they heard all this pushed to its true conclusion, they said, this is too hard of a saying. I can't believe this. I don't have an appetite for it anymore. And think of those foods that you have that you have no longer an appetite for that actually make you sick when you smell them. It's kind of what the people were saying. I can't handle that. And they walk away from eternal life. These are people who were following. It says that they were his disciples. It's a little bit of a warning, right? It's not a good way to make friends. Okay? It's a hard saying. It is. Let that not be us. Let our cravings and let our desire, right? Let our satisfaction be found in Jesus, the bread of life, the bread from heaven. Uh, and, and may he quench our thirst, the thirst of a living water. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? He, he opens the door and says, guys, you want to go? You can go. I'm not forcing you to be here. But where's your appetite? Where's your craving? 
Where is your sufficiency and where is your source going to be found? In your own sufficiency? In the sufficiency of something else or in the sufficiency of me? Your rescuer and savior. And then these awesome words. I want you guys to read this with me. If you have your Bibles open, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, you do have, through your son Jesus, the words of life eternal. For you're the gift and the gift giver. You are all, you are the beginning and the end. You are the source of true life. And you are the all-sufficient one. God, may we find our sufficiency not in ourselves, but find sufficiency in who God, you say we are, beloved children. Lord, you're not only the one who gives daily bread, but you are the bread itself. And so may we satisfy, be satisfied, and have a craving to to know your character more and more, to know how you uh, bless and how you interact in our lives more and more. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I just simply ask, increase my craving for you every day and every moment. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. I invite you to stand.